0: The thing is that UST was under collateralized, so the risk of the DPEG from you know the U.S. dollar was always there. So this is the main, you know, the main difference is that Dai is over collateralized, and there is a much much lower risk, close to the impossible, of over a depeg.
1: Hello and welcome to DeFire, the podcast that feels like relaxing in a hammock in the shade of palm trees, sipping delicious coconut water while magically getting smarter about crypto. My name is Jonas and today on the show we hear the story of Corina. Corina is working in the Grove Core unit at MakerDAO, the OG DeFi lending protocol and issuer of the stablecoin DAI. After the spectacular collapse of UST and Luna, many people, myself included, have rediscovered the tried and tested DeFi OGs. MakerDAO is not the shiny new thing in the DeFi toolshed, and they also don't have the loudest voices and promoters on social media. But it has something that other protocols don't. MakerDAO did withstand the test of times and has solidified its place as a solid building block in the DeFi world. In this conversation with Corina, we talk about MakerDAO and how it works, how the governance process works. We talk about the newfound popularity of the stablecoin DAI. I also ask Corina more mundane questions. How is it to work for a DAO? How do you get hired? How do you get paid? And at the very end, we also talk about why women are still underrepresented in crypto. And Corina highlights some fantastic initiatives that successfully bring more diversity to crypto. But before we start, a short word from our sponsor. CryptoValley.jobs is a job board where engineers, designers, analysts, traders, and community builders can find cool crypto jobs. Full disclosure, I run this job board. So if you're looking for a job or you want to advertise an open position, please go and visit CryptoValley.jobs. And while you're there, make sure to sign up on the email lists so you're always informed when new jobs are posted on the platform. That's CryptoValley.jobs. And now, let's start the show. You're in Denmark now. but You're not from Denmark.
0: No, I am from Moldova. yes.
1: Okay. But is Denmark your home base? Would you say that's the case?
0: Um, it was for four years because I studied here and then I went uh-huh. traveling and I just came back to sort some things out and figure what is the next country.
1: Okay. Are you in Copenhagen? Yes. I always wanted to go because it's supposed to be an amazing city yes. for cycling. The bins are kind of tilted that you can throw in the trash while you're riding the bike.
0: That's actually true. I never thought about that, but it's true.
1: And also, I heard that people have to make like signs when they're braking because there's just so many, almost like driving a car.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do (laughs) too.
1: Yeah, I would love to check this out. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. You were now traveling all around the world going to a lot of conferences and you tweeted after seven months of travel adventures with Airbnb scams, missed flights, stolen belongings, sleeping on friends' couches and meeting cool people across 10 countries. I'm so excited to have that stable Danish lifestyle again. So why have you been traveling so much? And what is something that happened there or an anecdote during those travels?
0: As I wrote in my tweet, I kind of have quite a lot of stories and anecdotes. (laughs) It wasn't really planned, to be honest. It just so happened that a lot of restrictions were lifted and I had this opportunity to travel around. There were some conferences. A lot of my friends live in different countries, so I wanted to visit. And yeah, I turned into a nomad for seven months, been to quite a few countries. And it's been a lot of fun and it's been a lot of just as I wrote scams and missed flights and <laughs> um, mm-hmm. a lot of lessons for me as as a traveler, I would say.
1: And why have you been traveling so much? Like, what is your work? What, why is your work needing you to travel so much and going to all these conferences?
0: Only 50-60% of my travels were work-related. It was mostly on my own initiative. As I said, I wanted to visit some people and so on and get to know some more projects as well you know cultures traveling is a big passion of mine
1: and where we met there was like at a conference in rio at the ethereum rio conference and you did there something that a lot of people are afraid of going on a stage and talking to hundreds of people (laughs) so when you go on that stage how do you usually introduce yourself what is your line that everybody is okay now let's listen to what what she has to say
0: I was so nervous (laughs) because the auditorium was full for that speech. Like there are literally people sitting on the sides and I was like, oh, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a lot for me. But yeah, I think I just said, you know, I'm Karina and I work at MakerDAO and I'm here to talk to you all about how our DAO is structured and how it is to work in a truly decentralized organization.
1: And can you explain to, to me and to people, like I'm five years old, what is MakerDAO and what what do you do or what, what is MakerDAO doing?
0: Sure. So MakerDAO is in itself a decentralized autonomous organization that is helping run and maintain the Maker Protocol. And the Maker Protocol is the largest DeFi lending platform in the world and the creator of DAI, which is the original decentralized stablecoin. Basically, our mission is to underpin the growth of a fair and transparent financial system serving as you know the ultimate lending protocol within the blockchain space and issuer of the world's most reliable stablecoin governed by our community.
1: Lately, stablecoins have gotten a bad reputation. Yeah. Um, most notably, UST, the Terra Luna stablecoin, totally collapsed, uh, imploded, I would say. And now in the top 10, we have Tether and we have USTC. These are kind of collateralized stablecoins. DAI, how do you compare it to those other stablecoins? What is DAI?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's pretty simple. The main feature of DAI is being decentralized in the first place. So it's basically censorship resistant and the second equally important feature is the fact that DAI is over collateralized. Uh, so in terms of positioning, you know, if you want to address like what happened with UST, which was pretty crazy, actually, I feel like a lot of people in the DeFi space who were taking into consideration these features of the stable coins kind of saw it coming, but I I don't think most of us actually expected it to happen so quickly. I feel like UST crashed within 24 to 48 hours. It's pretty crazy. So it's pretty understandable and, and obvious why it got so much attention from the media and so much, you know, negative impact on the overall stablecoin market. But the thing is that UST was under collateralized. So the risk of the DPEG from, you know, the US dollar was always there. So this is the main difference is that DAI is over collateralized and there is a much, much lower risk, close to being possible of of a DPEG.
1: Mm -hmm. And I remember when DAI came out, I experimented with it. And basically in the beginning, what you had to do is there was only one collateral. You had to go to the website and... Yeah. You know, connect your wallet and then lock up Eve. And let's say you had Eve for I don't know, let's say thousand um, five hundred dollars. Then you could mint die for uh, I think thousand dollars or whatever you felt comfortable with. And in case of the collateral, if the value would drop a lot, then you would have you would get sold automatically. Yeah, which is called yeah liquidated, right? And or you had time to top it up. Yeah. yeah, But nowadays, the collateral has changed, right? The ETH is not the biggest position anymore by far. Can you tell us a little bit more about the collateralization of DAI?
0: Let's start with it's not the only one, right? With the introduction mm-hmm. of MCD, multi-collateral DAI. Obviously, the, the first asset in the crypto space to go with was Ethereum because it's built on Ethereum, right? But eventually, as the space grew, the the DeFi space, especially a lot of new projects, came with their own tokens. Our so the people at Maker started, you know, assessing the risk of different collaterals and seeing which kind of collaterals could we also accept in Maker to conti- to sort of diversify this the the backing of the Dai. So right now we have quite a lot of different collaterals. I I can't name an exact number, but Is definitely many of them. We keep, you know, onboarding and upboarding different collaterals all the time, and are always very conscious of assessing the risk of each collateral type.
1: And but one of the biggest ones is USDC, right? The centralized stablecoin, so to say, that is kind of issued by a company in the US called Circle. A lot of people criticize USDC that it is not censorship resistant and too centralized. So doesn't that kind of rub off on on DAI as well?
0: Yes. So the thing with USDC, you are completely right. It is not censorship resistant, which means, you know, if regulators at one point decide to, I don't know, ban a stable coin and so on, it's much easier to do that with USDC than with DAI because DAI is decentralized. So the main difference between the two is that, for instance, we cannot blacklist certain addresses to receive or or transfer the DAI. I believe that centralized stablecoins can do that. How much different collaterals are backing DAI has been fluctuating. And it's true that a lot of these collaterals represent USDC, but it's quite understandable why a user would choose to open a vault with a stablecoin that doesn't presents so much risk for liquidation in contrast with another asset that has a lot more exposure to market volatility. You understand, you know?
1: (laughs) No, no, I didn't get that one. You're saying like now compared why you would have want to have uh, USDC as collateral.
0: No, I'm saying that it is understandable that a lot of users decide to open vaults with a stable coin instead of volatile asset mm-hmm. because of the liquidation risks, right?
1: Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, that always puzzles me and uh, I'm sure there's a good reason. I mean, you already hold a stable coin. Why lock it up in, in in DAI as a collateral to get another stable coin? Like, why do people do that?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I personally didn't do that. So I wouldn't be able to tell you why, actually. To me, it would make a lot more sense to me. No for instance, stack up on, on e for BTC, and then I want to keep it, but I want to take a loan basically. And that's why I would use, you know, Maker and made some DAI. But, mm-hmm. you know, back to your your question and the overall concern about USDC backing so much of the DAI, basically, you know, it's been fluctuating, I think, between 25 and 40 something percent over the last few months. The maker community is not very concerned around that because even with the risk of, you know, censorship, that's not really something that would ever happen overnight. And it would leave enough time and space for both our community and us as contributors, like engineers, people who do the risk assessment and so on to come up with a strategy on how to incentivize users to either switch their preferred collateral from stablecoin to another type of asset if we see that kind of a risk coming very close in the future.
1: Yeah, I I am currently on a website called dyestats.com and it says USDC is around 52% right now. But you know what's interesting, and I also wanted to ask you this, another stablecoin, US Tether, is wow. not represented. And US Tether is always on Twitter and in the media, one of these problem childs as well, that people are kind of worried since years because they don't really offer so much transparency compared to USDC, the other one that, that you use as collateral. Why is there no, no US Tether as collateral used at DAI?
0: Yeah, let me get back to that in a second. I just want to make okay. a short clarification because it's quite a common mistake for a lot of people trying reading the stats of mystats.com. So on the right side you have die generated by collateral and you see 51.9% USDC. On the left side, you, you can see that the collateralization itself from USDC is 36.1%. The left chart is the right one to read in terms of how much the different types of collateral are backing the DAI.
1: Ah, yeah okay. Yeah, no, that's good to know.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to make that clarification. In terms of USDT and overall all kinds of collateral that we accept in Maker, it's important to know that all of these decisions are taken by the community and I believe that even before I joined Maker, we did have USDT as an option to use as collateral. But around a year ago, it presented to be unprofitable, and our community voted to offboard it. All kinds of collateral that are continuously being proposed to either be onboarded or offboarded to the community, and the community is taking those decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. And that already is a good introduction in like how a DAO works, etc. And I, I really want to dive into the DAO next. But just one more question because DAOs are also a little bit slower with you know deciding things, as you already kind of hinted at. And then these other yeah Terra and UST they were really quick and nifty and obviously also reckless. How was you know like the internal view from the MakerDAO community? seeing kind of like the me- meteoric, meteoric, huh, how do you say, it? M- meteoric yeah. rise, the meteoric rise of UST, and then also the crash. Was there some schadenfreude there?
0: Uh, was there some, sorry, what?
1: <laughs> uh, schadenfreude is like this uh, word that kind of describes kind of like pleasure of somebody else failing, you know, like...
0: Okay, I don't think it's it's really like that in Maker, honestly. So we weren't really sitting and discussing how successful Terra seems to be. But obviously, a few people mentioned here and there that it seems that the crash of UST has made some people turn their heads to Maker and to the fundamentals of tokenomics of DAI. And a lot of journalists and specialists overall in DeFi started writing articles and exploring Maker all over again and emphasizing the importance of having an over mechanism of the stablecoin. So uh, we, we didn't do that whole dancing on the grave, right? <laughs> Oh, okay. It's not that we were happy for someone else's failure. Like so many people were affected because so many people believed in that project and mm-hmm. bought in those tokens and so on. It's never good for the entire space when one big project fails.
1: That's the very uh y answer you gave here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I feel like, well, it's still 100% true.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it is true that also the MakerDAO community isn't so loud or vicious online. and. Uh, they don't seem to be super aggressive, but obviously a lot of people who pointed to the flaws of of Terra and USC, they have afterwards on Twitter been celebrating and uh, probably rightfully so, right? I mean, you have to kind of, if you have endured this backlash all the time from this community, then you should also kind of celebrate when when you write. Not saying that you guys did that, but I just wondered if there was like an internal Slack channel that was kind of celebrating or something.
0: Oh, no, not really. <laughs> use Slack there
1: yeah. <laughs> There's also no, you, you don't have, a. let's go to maybe to you. You 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 work at Make It Out, but what, what is your position and what, what do you do there?
0: Yeah, I guess we should have started with that, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so I work in the growth team and growth core unit. Core units in Maker are basically like departments in a company. My team is focused on, business development and like growth in the ecosystem, like diet option in marketing and lately we started to focusing a bit more on PR and branding. And my role is a project manager, which is like a very, very broad definition Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
0: or a very broad title, which means I do a lot of different things basically.
1: And You're quite young, right? Can you tell us the story of how you got into this position?
0: Yeah, I was studying at university in Copenhagen, a business school, and I found out about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and later, you know, started learning about DeFi, and at one point, I think around a year and a half ago, I decided that this is definitely the industry I want to work in, and I became pretty obsessed with learning different DeFi tools and terms. I was really, really interested. So I fell down the rabbit hole that the problem was that there isn't really a crypto community here in Denmark. I didn't really have people to talk to. So what I decided to do was to look for some people on LinkedIn that seem to have knowledge in the space that would will be willing to mentor me or give me some kind of guidance on how to navigate for the space. Because mm-hmm. I was pretty clueless and let's face it, when you are a newbie, it's extremely hard to navigate and understand like what are the good projects and what are the projects that are innovating a lot and the ones that are not innovating. Mm-hmm. So I found someone at Maker, and I asked her if she would like to give me, you know, 30 minutes of her time and tell me, just give me some guidance. And she agreed and she told me about the best podcasts, like The Defiant and Bankless and different news outlets that I need to follow this on. So I was so grateful. And basically, at the end, I asked her if she knows of any internships, even unpaid, where I could go and work in DeFi and get some experience. And she was like, no, I don't think anyone is working unpaid in crypto. (laughs)
1: Which is
0: really good, you know, actually. But yeah, and then a few months later, she remembered me and sort of recommended me for the job. And now we work in the same team. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, I think I think that merits a shout out to that person. Who, who's that person? Yes,
0: it's Jocelyn.
1: <laughs> Jocelyn, okay. Yeah. And did you reach out to her because you were specifically interested in MakerDAO? Or was it just, oh, there's a person working in DeFi, I'm interested oh, right. in, in crypto... No, um, no,
0: I was, I was a big fan of Maker for sure. Like, you know, the OG learning protocol. I did reach out to a few other people as well, but honestly, everyone else I reached out to turned me down, I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this mm-hmm. student, <laughs> but Jocelyn was the only one to actually say yes. And I feel like this is a great example of how things can turn into just help someone with a little bit of your time or some, some advice yeah. or guidance. Yeah, it turned great.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's also good advice for people listening who want to get the foot into the door and just start yeah. connecting, even if you are in a place that doesn't seem to be like super crypto-centric. Yes. Corina. <laughs> but I, I would like to dig a little bit deeper. Why were you so interested in crypto or DeFi specifically? Do you, uh-huh. do you have an explanation for that?
0: I mean, I have a million reasons to be honest. It started when I really wanted to get into this business school and I was rejected the first year. Uh, and then I applied again and I was rejected the second time. <laughs> I was like, not good enough for this, but I really, really wanted to do it. And I'm kind of a pretty persuasive person. If I really want something, I'm going to knock into that door until it opens but the third year in order to get in i thought okay this time i gotta be smarter and i gotta like take a million courses to put on my CV. so maybe then they're gonna like me (laughs) to accept me into this school so i did and i found this course made by the business school that was called the revolution of financial services it was like a specialization in fintech for four months and I took it, it was all about fintech, but there was only one little class about like blockchain and Bitcoin and I got so interested in it. I was like, wow, this is great. That eventually I got in the third time Mm
1: -hmm. and the
0: first thing that I did when I started school is I found the professor who made that entire course. And I went up to him and I said, look, I studied this and you had this video about Bitcoin and I want to learn more. So he didn't say a lot. He only said, you know, give me your email. And he sent me like 800 pages worth of like white papers and academic (laughs) reviews and stuff like that about cryptocurrencies. And he just said, you know, read all that and then come back.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, so that was the beginning of my my rabbit hole journey. But just you know, a quick note so that I don't make the story too long. Um, DeFi in itself made a lot of sense for me because I'm from Moldova. I was exposed growing up to inflation and corruption and a lot of different things. And I saw a lot of problems with centralized financial systems and the lack of access to financial services and so on and so forth, the vision of not only Maker, but DeFi overall, they make a lot of sense for me.
1: Mm -hmm. And did the recent history of, you know, the collapse of so many CFI companies that needs to be saved by FTX and, you know, and also the fall of crypto while inflation is going up, did that somehow influence your thinking about that?
0: Right now, no, to be honest, I I try to, you know, stay focused on the long-term vision. I, you know, I understand now that in this space there, you know, there's bear market, there's bull market, there's so many different things going on and like the space is moving so fast, there are going to be so many projects that just come and go. And I'm starting to embrace that, but it's important to stay focused on the long-term goals.
1: I would like to go a little bit deeper also into what it is to work for a DAO, for a real DAO, because (laughs) the word DAO has also been used inflationary in the recent year, I would say, where like many DAOs have popped up. Often they were just a Discord group and maybe a shared, you know, multi-sig wallet, I think you cannot really compare that to what MakerDAO is um, because MakerDAO seems to be from outside really a decentralized autonomous organization that takes this very seriously and that, as you mentioned before, almost acts as a company, but decentralized. Uh, tell us a little bit about how it is to work for a DAO.
0: Yeah, the thing you mentioned is, is quite true. You' not just have a good discord and the multi-sync uh, I feel like this is still the case for most of the projects out there that are aiming to become DAOs. The way maker DAO functions is definitely a lot more complex than most people think. We have a full on-chain governance mechanism, which means that any major decision, sometimes even smaller decisions that need to be taken regarding the protocol need to go on to which means that so our community consists of MKR token holders. Anyone who holds MKR has the, the right to vote on any kind of decision. So we have this forum. You can go to forum.makerdown.com. It's a public provision that's mm-hmm. open forum where anyone can make a proposal or state an opinion or get involved in different discussions about pretty much anything. If you or me, we want to, to write a proposal, there are certain templates. Uh, I think we have around 70 types of templates for different proposals. So for collateral onboarding, there's one type of proposal for upboarding, there's another type of proposal. So we have these templates to make it easier for anyone to submit a proposal. There's a certain structure that needs to be followed. Then, then this person submits a proposal and the people basically discuss openly on the forum. So that's the, the permission that's in our know, open discussion. And usually we leave these proposals up for at least two weeks so that people have enough time to read into it and you know discuss. And then if the sentiment is pretty much positive, uh, you know, we can also... Very often we make polls within these forum posts and if the sentiment seems to be positive, then the next step is the on-chain voting. And the on-chain, uh, on-chain voting has also two steps. The first one is a provenance poll. So again, you know, you're actually asking the token holders to vote on chain for this specific proposal and then if it passes the governance poll with you know over 50% yes then it goes to, to the executive poll so so uh, if you think about it it does take longer because of the decentralization feature it takes longer to take decisions with the dao but i want to note also that We are talking about decisions that are usually not urgent either.
1: Yeah, yeah. And these are compared to normal voting, so to say, it is kind of weighed in how much maker token you hold. So, like people with more or organizations with a lot of maker tokens have a higher voting power. That's correct.
0: Uh, yes, yes. Technically, that's that's totally correct. Um, I also want to note, actually, we have another system in place, which is the delegation system, which means that anyone can become a delegate, even if you don't own any of AR. but if you want to be involved in governance decisions, you can basically, this is kind of like a full-time job for you to go and study these proposals and read it to What's happening in Maker? What's happening on the market? It, it is actually a full-time job to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. So you can choose to become a delegate. We have unrecognized delegates, which is would be basically you asking, you know, your friend to delegate one MKR to you. That's an unrecognized delegate. So mm-hmm. anyone can do that. But you can also become a recognized delegate within the protocol, which means you also make a proposal and you say, hey, I want to actually be paid for this and I want to represent the protocol's interests. A lot of people who own a lot of MKR, they actually delegate their tokens to different delegates based on you know how much they trust that they will follow the protocol's initiatives or interests. Yeah. yeah.
1: So almost like you have a parliamentarian That you are delegating your coins to i think a16c is one of the venture capital firms they hold a lot of maker correct me if i'm wrong and they probably do that
0: actually i really don't know (laughs) who owns how much and who delegates how much to be honest i never followed that i think i did take a look a couple of times at at the, the delegations page but I don't think
1: I ever had enough interest to check. Mm-hmm. I'm also not 100% sure, to be honest, <laughs> about specifically about which ones, but I, I'm sure yeah. some some venture firms, the hold maker. And, but in your day to day, I mean, this kind of voting that you just described seems to be more of, you know, like changes in the protocol itself, mm-hmm. adding new collateral, et cetera, maybe changing the fee structures, I don't know, stuff like that. And in your day-to-day work, where you think about growing and marketing campaigns and stuff like that, does that also kind of touch upon this decentralized part? Or is that more nimble that you don't have to wait two weeks for everything? Yeah,
0: Yeah, actually, uh, no, no, it doesn't. Like The things that we do day-to-day, we take a lot of decisions throughout, uh, like within our core units. And I will explain how it works in about 20 or twenty-one minutes right now. And each one of them have a specific mandate of the things we need to do. For instance, in growth, you know, like what kind of ecosystem growth do we need to focus on? For instance, if, you know, the community says tomorrow we need to start focusing on tools, 2s this is what we need to focus on. So actually, we've been focusing on this multi-chain strategy, which is deploying viral and um within the past few months. And, you know, back to how the coordinates make decisions. So now we don't need to ask the community about every single decision, but we need to make sure that every small decision we take is leading us to the same direction that the community has set.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more mundane things let's say you know like getting paid insurance etc how is that working for Adama?
0: So actually uh, it's different for every single core unit because every core unit is a different legal entity and in our case like a few core units are paying their contributors in fiat and I actually have no idea like what kind of agreements they have but a few core units pay their contributors in DAI. Uh, honestly, I don't know how it works for most of the other core units, but I would say for my core unit. For instance, I'm a contractor, which means that I am doing my own taxes and I am buying my own insurance because we do not have, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a DAO. We don't have an office anywhere and everyone is working in different parts of the world. So as a DAO, it's, close to impossible to offer the same benefits or, you know, terms for everyone.
1: So on your tax, uh, what do you write? Like working for a company or kind of independent freelancer? What is your categorization?
0: Yeah, like a service provider, like consultant.
1: Yeah. Okay. Like, but independent or do you write in the company section working for MakerDAO? (laughs)
0: Or. <laughs> uh, oh. No, because, again, you know, every core unit has its own company.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it's, that's interesting. It's, yeah.
0: It's it's interesting. I feel, well, right now I you know it's, Maker is like at the forefront of DAO structure overall. So all of this is a big experiment, honestly. And everyone is obviously trying to, you know, find the best practices to... Protect the contributors, to protect the community, to make sure that everything goes smoothly and by the law, and it's pretty complicated to to ensure that in such a globalized organization that doesn't have well a headquarters somewhere. Um uh, Which yeah. is, I, but I think the that's the DAO has been doing a pretty good job at that so far. But I believe in the future we'll find even better practices.
1: Mm-hmm. I can also imagine that the social aspect of working in a company together or in a DAO, you kind of really have to cultivate the culture of meeting from time to time that you yeah. know who, who you're working with. Do you have like a schedule of, hey, we 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 meet every year once everybody or something like that?
0: Um, not yet. We are working a that, but... You know, it's, it's pretty hard to organize something very big because we're around 115 people at Maker and that would cost a lot of money. <laughs> but it's been good that we at least get to meet at different conferences. So far, we are we only have that. Maybe in the next bull run, <laughs> we'll organize uh-huh. a bigger offsite.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's switch it up a little bit. And uh, You are also super interested in a movement called ShiFi.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think it's about bringing more women into crypto and, you know, like onboard more women, represent more female people, uh, et cetera. I've just checked my my stats on the, the podcast and it hasn't changed much. It's about 85% male wow. uh, audience. Um, yeah. Why? Why, why is crypto such a wiener <laughs> fest, as I like to say, so male dominated? <laughs>
0: Um, I think, I feel like this is a why, I mean, you know, it's combining finance with technology, right? In traditional finance, the majority is male. Historically and statistically, the majority has been male. Perhaps in tech, the, the gap is not that big, but it's also been mostly male dominated. So now we're in crypto, you know, Web3 and. It's it's quite understandable why, I guess. I did feel like we started getting a lot more women with the NFT boom at the beginning of 2021 or when NFT started rising and it started to become more about community and culture and art Then I saw a lot of women entering this space and especially very talented artists, which is really great. I'm... Very stoked about that. Um, Now we have a lot of different initiatives in place to try and encourage more women and not just women about people also that identify as women and and so on to bring more diversity to this space. There are so many new initiatives now and Shifa is one of them. I, I would like to name a few more that I am a very big fan of. There's... 0xx, who I also found out about from SheFi. There's her Dao, which is focused on developers, female developers. There's also Blue Dao, which is like probably one of my favorite Daos in this world, <laughs> which is also focused on female developers. I met them actually in Brazil, where I think as well, at Itnio. And we met up in Amsterdam again, and I organized a branch for women in Amsterdam so that we can connect. We ended up being over 50 girls. And I think about at least 15 or 20 of them were new devs. So what Blue Dao does is they are sponsoring these talents to come to the in-person hackathons and actually get to meet people. And I feel like this is absolutely amazing. Because also those specific girls that I met, they ended up winning, I think, eleven prizes at Stefcon in Amsterdam. And I find that wow. absolutely fantastic. So so you know, this is the proof that if we just lend the hand, if we just give a little bit of help, make a little push to some people that are talented but don't have the same opportunities as us. And if you just give them a little bit more, then they can prove that they can bring so much value to the space. And that's, you know, that's amazing.
1: Definitely. And I think also one thing that Shifa is, that one one of the organizations or DAOs you, you work with is also focusing not only on, you know, like developing, like deaf work yeah. but also how you say like monetary literacy or yes uh,
0: financial literacy
1: financial literacy yeah. that's the word yeah
0: yes so she it started sort of like a course introduction to blockchain and web three, and so on and then it developed into an entire community i also participated in one of those courses and we were taught Basic financial literacy was like such a safe space to come and ask any kind of questions you have. I feel like a lot of people, when they start navigating through crypto, find so many new terms and abbreviations and concepts that are so complex, especially known DeFi but you're a little bit afraid to ask questions so that you don't appear dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And SHIFI is giving the space for everyone to ask any kind of questions. And that's amazing. That's really empowering. But on top of the educational part, I'm such a fan of Shifa because they created an entire community. I believe it started with uh, Maggie Love and Porter Gear. I absolutely love them for the work they're doing and I'm still part of that community and try to be active because there are so many things going on. Like we get whitelisted for certain NFT projects, for instance, or we get some free tickets to conferences and so on and so forth. So ShiFi is now having so many different partnerships that it's becoming the real, real movement. And I find that absolutely fascinating.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. That sounds also like a good way of bringing it to an end. Where should people find you, Corina? Or where do you want to send the audience of this podcast?
0: You can go follow me on my Twitter. I am 0xCorina. Also follow MakerDAO and if you want some Maker memes, there's also Maker Growth on Twitter. I feel like the, the MakerDAO Twitter account is just such a good place to start. We are making these amazing threads that are so easy to digest that are going to explain to you everything that's going on, every single proposal, all the parameters and so on. So yeah, Twitter always. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Jonas.
1: If you are still listening, chances are that you liked this episode. DeFi is not just me, it's also you, the listener. And growing this podcast is seriously one of the toughest challenges I've ever undertaken. It's so hard to grow an audience. But each day, there are more listeners joining and together we can spread the word about DeFi by giving it five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Send this episode to a friend who might be interested. Check out the website, visit dfire.money and click on subscribe to get the new episodes and in the future also blog posts directly into your inbox. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter at dfiremoney. All of this helps so we can continue to produce more episodes more frequently and get the most interesting guests that you deserve. Good night and see you soon.